Our first uh, scripture reading in the morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, so we're looking in the New Testament, very short passage of Jesus from his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, our uh, second scripture reading of the morning is also from the New Testament. It comes to us from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to give you a bit of a run-up to this text during the course of of the message, but I want to share with you a very short passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Paul writing says this, Here I am, ready to come to you this third time, and it will not be a burden, because I do not want what is yours, but you. For children ought not to lay up for their parents, but parents for their children. Then our signature verse for today. I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Robert Bull is a pastor and a former moderator of the General Assembly of our denomination. He tells the story one day of being in his office at the church when a very successful young heart surgeon came to visit with him, and they were discussing the issue of tithing. And this young man, this young heart surgeon told him, there's no way, preacher, that I can ever afford to tithe. Do you realize that at my level of income, how much tithing would cost me a year? It would set me back $40,000 a year to tithe. And so Bob Bowl, this pastor, looked at that young man and said, okay, then we're going to bow our heads right now, and we're going to pray, Oh God, please reduce this man's income to the level where he can afford to tithe. <laughs> As we continue in this month of November and Thanksgiving, we are talking about thanks and giving. Last week, if you were here at our congregational meeting, you heard from some of our elders and you were able to ask questions about the 2024 general fund budget and the 2024 mission and benevolence budget here at Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church. And in a sense, as we kind of come to the end of 2023, we, we hold our breath a bit, but we do go forward and we do go forward boldly and in faith into this next year of 2024. You see, we believe that God has plans and dreams and visions for our future. But all of that is contingent upon your commitment to this church. And the session, prayerfully and with great hope, believes that the budget is what God wants for us to be and do in this coming year. Now, earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in order to keep Paul from being, as he said, too elated, it says he was given a physical handicap. Now, we don't know what that was. Paul describes it as a thorn in the flesh. 
Most likely, it was something that humbled himself in the eyes of other people. Maybe he was a stutterer, or maybe he had uncontrollable seizures, or maybe he just had bad eyesight. We don't know what it was, but whatever it was, Paul basically said, Lord, I don't need this problem. And you know what God said? God said, Paul, my grace is more than enough for you which ironically is the last thing that Paul wanted to hear. But Paul said, I know that your power is made perfect in my weakness. And then Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Did you hear the difference? He didn't say, if I am weak. He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. And all that is to say is that Paul's life was a lot like your life and my life. It was full of difficulties, struggles, weaknesses, and challenges. And then in verse 15, in this 2 Corinthians 12 passage, Paul says, here is my approach to life. He says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. Now, you know, in our culture today, we say, I'm going to spend on me. Don't look now, but Black Friday is only 12 days away. It's the biggest shopping day of the year for retailers across the globe. People will head to the stores at the crack of dawn, searching for the best door buster deals they can find. Last year, last year, worldwide, Black Friday spending reached $9.12 billion. Someone has said that if Julius Caesar to return and, and, and be part of Black Friday, his slogan would be, Veni, Vidi, Visi. I came, I saw, I went shopping. <laughs> Paul says, I will spend and be spent for you. And so we have to wonder, what in the world does Paul mean by that? Well, to understand what is going on, we need to realize the difference, and there is an important one, between being a consumer and being a steward. Here's the difference. A consumer is someone who takes and uses something made by somebody else. A steward is someone who is responsible for something that belongs to somebody else. You hear the difference? Now, it is certainly true that all of us here, all those watching, are consumers, like the man who said that he was inducting his wife into the Visa Hall of Fame. She was a consumer. We are all consumers. We lived in a consumer-soaked society. And as consumers, our lives are defined by three things. Choices, guarantees, and rights. Think about all the choices we have as consumers. I'm sure it was the same when you were growing up. I know it was for me. We basically had three flavors of ice cream when I was growing up. Vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. Today, millions of flavors, zillions of toppings. Many of you probably still have Halloween candy laying around your house. Think for a minute about all the different candy bars that are out there. Now, one of the gags I like to do is take the, the brands of candy bars to try to tell a person's life. For example, he was born under the Milky Way. He wanted to be a professional baseball player like Baby Ruth, but there was no payday because he was a Butterfingers. Eventually, he met a bit of honey. They had a baby as a starburst on the scene. 
Unfortunately, when that child grew up, he became a milk dud. <laughs> and you can kind of go on and on with this, right? We have choices. We expect choices. What to buy, where to buy, who has the sales, who's got the coupons, all kinds of choices. We also have guarantees as being a consumer. I heard about a church that is encouraging tithing for its members. And if you tithe in that church for 90 days, three months, and if at the end of those 90 days, you say that tithing has not been an exciting or rewarding experience, just say so and they will write you a check back for all the money that you gave over those 90 days. And you say, wow, John, that's a risky thing for the leaders of that church to do. Well, would you believe not one person in that church has asked for their money back. And then of course we have rights. Pennsylvania has an automobile lemon law, Title 73, Chapter 28, that protects consumers who are buying a car. It is considered fraudulent to knowingly sell a defective vehicle to some unsuspecting customer. And if our rights are violated, then we can get action. We can call a lawyer or we can call the Consumer uh, uh, Bureau of uh, Protection hotline. So we have rights. Well, as a Christian steward, our lives are defined by the same three categories, choices, guarantees, and rights. What are our choices? Listen to what Paul says in another place in Romans chapter 6. He says, you can either present your bodies to sin as instruments of wickedness, or you can present your bodies to God as instruments of righteousness. That's our choice. To put it another way, what will I do with the life that I have? There was a small church that was having its annual reunion. And one of the former members of that church came back for the celebration, and he was very successful. He was a multimillionaire. And during the service, he shared during the testimony time how God had blessed him through the years, and he recalled an incident from his childhood. He said that after he earned his first dollar as a boy, he decided that he was going to keep that dollar for the rest of his life. He was never going to let it go. One day, he said this guest missionary was sharing about an urgent need on the mission field, and it really tugged at his heart. He didn't want to give up his dollar, but he felt he should. And finally said, the Lord won. And he said, with a sense of pride, I put my treasured dollar in that offering basket. And I'm convinced that's the reason why God has blessed me so much when I was a little boy, because I gave him everything I had. And oh, the congregation was awestruck by this man's testimony. But there was one little old lady in the back, and she stood up and she shouted, I dare you to do it again. <laughs> See, there's commitment, and then there's commitment. We also have a guarantee in writing. The Bible says that if you offer your life to sin, you're going to have pain, you're going to have a heartache, you're going to have struggles throughout your life, guaranteed by God in writing. But if you offer your life to God, the reward is the free gift of eternal life with Jesus Christ forever and ever. Now, Jesus gave us that same guarantee when he said, and you heard me read it as our first scripture reading today, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And what you need to know is that Jesus doesn't just serve this up as a kind of suggestion. 
Jesus doesn't say, well, here's something you ought to think about doing. You know, it might not be wise for you to lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Instead, Jesus looks at you and me right in the eye. He says, do not, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Instead, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It's really the only way to go. I sometimes think that a lot of us got the idea of what our lives should look like by watching those old beer commercials about good times and good food and good friends. In fact, one commercial that I remember has a group of guys that are sort of floating down the river, and at one point, the guy holds up a bottle and says, it doesn't get any better than this. And you want to know something? He's absolutely right. It seldom gets to be that good, and when it does get to be that good, it is such a fleeting moment, and then it is gone forever. But friends, your commitment level to Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church is not something that will be soon gone. It's better than gold. It's better than beer. This is treasure in heaven, and we have God's word as a guarantee. Now, you may be wondering, well, John, what's the catch? Here's the catch. The catch is that as a steward, you don't have any rights. The Apostle Paul says, don't you know that when you present yourselves to someone as a slave, you are slaves of the one you obey? So you gave up your right to run the show when you became a Christian, and you can't haul God into court when things don't go your way. We are his. We belong to him. And that means that God has the right to do with us as he pleases. You are a steward of a life that belongs, not to yourself, but to God. Not just your money, not just your possessions, but every aspect of your life, your whole life, belongs to God. And what that means is that we have to come to the place in our lives when we finish and put away this idea of any kind of victim mentality. Oh, if only I could stay mad at my parents. Oh, if only I could stay mad at my kids. Oh, if only I could stay mad at my boss. Well, then I wouldn't have to take responsibility for my life. Love the cartoon that I saw in the magazine Christianity Today. It had three panels. In the first panel, it said saints. And there was like one or two people in there. In the second panel, it said sinners. As you might imagine, there were a lot more people in there. The third panel said people who refuse to accept responsibility for their own lives. And that panel was filled with people. So many of us. God holds you responsible for your life. God holds me responsible for my life, or at least what's left of it. I don't know all of you, or certainly I don't know all of your past, or maybe even what's going on right now in the present, but someone may have destroyed a part of your life, and that is so sad, it's so unfortunate, if not downright tragic. But what is left of your life, whatever piece of your life is left, still is yours. And God holds you accountable to make the most of it before him. Then finally, you are also stewards of your own gifts and abilities. You know, one of the more frustrating things for me is when hobbies 
and secular pursuits get in the way of our best gifts and abilities. And this has happened. I'll approach somebody in the church about a particular ministry and say, you know, we we really need your help with this. And they'll say, yeah, I'm too busy. I'm afraid. I don't know how. Now, can you imagine going before God and saying, God, you've given me all these gifts and abilities. I just choose not to use them for your kingdom. Do we really want to pray a prayer like that? We are accountable to God with the gifts that God has given us. Jesus said where a person's treasure is, there their heart will be also. But if you think about it, isn't the opposite also true? Where your heart is, there your treasure is going to be as well. It's where you are involved in something that really matters. And in the case of the church, something that is living and something that is lasting. It's about rolling up your sleeves and getting involved, using your time, using your talents, using your gifts, using your abilities, using all of who you are, joyfully and faithfully. Because in the end, friends, stewardship is not about how much of what I own will I give to God. It's about how much of me, how much of me will I give to God. Stewardship is not simply worrying about meeting the church's 2024 budget. You look in the Bible, and believe me, I have. Jesus never spoke about church budgets. He never spoke about trying to keep the lights turned on or the piano tuned or the pastor fed. Stewardship is about believing in God with all of our hearts and with all of what we have. Stewardship is not about paying dues like you might to a gym membership at Planet Fitness or to Costco. That is not what we mean, by the way, and by church membership here at Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church. I know you know that. Instead, it is intentionally investing my time, my talent, my energy, all of what I own into God's business. Stewardship is not fundamentally a fundraising program. It is fundamentally an issue of faithfulness. That's the bottom line on God's ledger. In the Battle of Waterloo back in 1815, which saw Napoleon go down to defeat, the hero of that battle was the Duke of Wellington. And a biographer of the Duke uncovered some information that he found was rather revealing. What he found was an old accounts ledger that showed how the Duke had spent his money. And the author, the biographer of the Duke, said that is a far better clue to understanding the Duke's life than even reading his, his speeches or, or his letters. So, as I close, let me ask, what about you? If someone wrote your biography on the basis of what is in your checkbook, what would it say about you? What would it say about your priorities? What would it say about your loyalties? What would it say about your spending habits? What, it, what would it say about whom you serve? I hope the answer would lie in Paul's words. I will most gladly spend and be spent for God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we thank you for assembling together this body of Christ with a variety and an array of gifts and abilities and talents, and each one is important, and each one can be used for your glory here at Chestnut Level.
Give us a boldness to serve. Give us a capacity to love. Give us the grace to know that even when we may fall short of the mark in knowing what to do or how to do it, that you will more than make up with it with your amazing grace. Give us a spirit of wanting to give of ourselves so that we may love like Jesus loved, live like Jesus lived, and serve like Jesus served. And we ask it and pray it in Christ's name. Amen.